Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today on the Hope for Your Heart broadcast. And uh, we are talking about lessons about financial stewardship uh, that will lead to financial freedom. Well, if you've ever had to wait in a long line at your local Starbucks, you probably already know that young people, millennials specifically, spend a lot of money on coffee. But it turns out that many are spending more cash on caffeine than they are investing in their future. According to a report from Money Matters, 41% of nearly 2,000 millennials that were interviewed, born between the 1980s through the early 2000s, they admitted to spending more on their morning brew than contributing toward their retirement plan. One millennial from Phoenix put it this way, I'm not putting money away because I'm not making money. So maybe that shift toward more people in school longer and going back to school is connected. We live in the moment, maybe more than others. So that concept of thinking about the future, thinking about retirement, isn't necessarily as big a deal as it was in the past. But it's not just coffee where millennials are making poor financial decisions. The survey says that just 5% of millennials are investing at all. But on the flip side, 39% feel anxious about their financial future. According to one report, the average American spends $1,100 a year or $3 every day on coffee. And now the Bible doesn't delve into portfolio rebalancing or, or the value of investing in the market, but in a way, it does have us understand the carefulness that we ought to have in distribution of our funds. Uh, so Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, Divide your portion to seven, or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. That's Ecclesiastes 11.2. So let me quickly review what we covered yesterday in the broadcast, and then we'll continue on the second part of financial stewardship and how to be blessed and be free financially. Number one, remember God owns it all. It's all His. The silver and the gold and all that is the Lord, says the Lord of hosts, Haggai 2.8. Secondly, remember that uh, as we look at greed, greed is deadly. So we're not going to give you biblical stewardship so that you can be more greedy uh, and hoarding wealth. Greed is deadly. We talked about that yesterday. Number three, manage debt. Spend some time understanding how debt works. And there's many that deal with this. Uh, Ron Blue is one of them. Faith and Finance is another broadcast that I listen to talk about dealing with the debt snowball. But you got to manage your debt. If you don't, your debt will manage you. And then uh, we learned yesterday that you got to live on a budget. 80-10-10 is a great place to start. Living on 80% of your income, saving 10%, giving 10%. And then we also learned yesterday, uh, you got to avoid bankruptcy. If at all possible, uh, especially for the life of the believer, we are to pay the debts that we have incurred. And I know there are, are occasions where this is totally impossible. And uh, I'm not saying you're going to die and go to hell if you uh, have declared bankruptcy, but I'm saying it, it should be the last resort. Next, we learned that we've got to pay our taxes. Uh, we looked at what Jesus said about this matter of paying your taxes, and, and he takes out a coin, and uh, on the coin is the image of Caesar, 
And he says, render unto the Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, uh, render unto God that which belongs to God. There are some things that we owe to God, there are some things that we owe to Caesar, and we should pay both. That was the exhortation, the encouragement to pay our taxes. And then we also learned that we should work hard and earn your income ethically. Now, in the book of James, we discover that some people that James was addressing, uh, they weren't paying the wages to their employees. And James says, look, uh, the wages that you failed to pay, the workmen, you know, the guy who cut your fields, the guy who worked for you, those wages are crying out against you. James 5, 4 says, the cry of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now, if you hire somebody, they do the, you pay them, right? Uh, don't cut back their pay. Pay to what you agreed and pay it on a timely fashion. I remember years ago, I was working for a guy, and apparently this company was in very bad shape financially, and, and I was working my way through college, and, and this guy had a, a roofing business, and he got a bunch of us guys that he went to Bible college with. We went out, and we helped him put a roof on this building, and he told us how much we were going to get paid, uh, and so we got paid by the hour, and uh, we kept track of our hours. We turned a time sheet into him and not one of us got paid. Uh, it was four or five of us that were all went to school together, and uh, not one of us got paid. And so as we look at that, that's a, uh, an example of the harvesters crying out because they haven't been paid. And James tells us that that actually reaches the ears of the Lord Almighty. Proverbs twenty two sixteen similarly warns, He who oppresses the poor to make more for himself, or who gives to the rich, will only come to poverty. Now, as for employees, uh, working hard is a recipe for success. Proverbs 10.4 puts it this way, that a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So here's the point. The number one source of your income, more than likely, is going to be your job. Uh, wherever you work, that's probably going to be where you're going to have the greatest amount of income. Uh, unless you are heavily invested uh, and you have a, a lot of money coming in through investments. But for most people, we earn our income and we work hard to earn that income. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing, right? And it, we work hard. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about working hard and a lot to say about being diligent. And then the next point, avoid get-rich-quick schemes. You know, in ancient times, the writers who crafted the Bible, they knew something that many investors tried to target us, right? You know, that old expression, if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Proverbs 14 says, the naive believe everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. So, you think you can get rich quick? Well, think again. Proverbs 13, 11, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow. You know, many years ago, I had a $150 investment. There was actually a, a reimbursement check that was, uh, it was to be given back to me by the church, 
And I remember the church treasurer saying, hey, listen, I've got this reimbursement check for you. Would you like me to, instead of giving you that money, invest that money for you? It was only 150 bucks. But when I was in my 20s, okay, and back then, 120, 150 bucks was a pretty significant amount of money. To put it in context, my rent on the apartment that I was renting was $300 a month. Uh, so we're talking about half my rent for a month that I was supposed to be reimbursed from the church. He says, I'll invest it if you want. You know, that was about 30 years ago. That $150 was invested. You know, that money has multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And I've got a good little nest egg now from that $150 investment. And what I did is I, instead of getting the return on it, the quarterly returns on it, I kept rolling them over and then it got sold. And now it's in a healthcare investment stock and uh, it continues to grow. So I have some money set aside, a small investment, but it's taken 30 years for that to grow. It grew little by little. Uh, some years it grew faster than others. But Proverbs 13, 11 admonishes us. When we think about wealth, wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. See, when we look at this matter of investment, it's great to invest, but make sure uh, that you're investing wisely. And make sure that as you make an investment, that you're finding a place that is a good place. And you can also understand that there's going to be some diversity in your portfolio. Now, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Because if one company struggles that you've put all of that investment in, you have nothing to fall back on. So the point is this. Avoid get-rich-quick schemes. Remember that wealth is grown over time. And then the next point, leave a legacy. When we think about leaving a legacy, the first instance of a biblical estate plan goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the story of Abraham. At God's urging, he left everything he owned to Isaac, and subsequent heirs all provided a will and a way to dictate how their belongings, how their wealth would be distributed. Proverbs 13, 22 promotes the value of such a legacy. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You see, when we look at giving that inheritance to our children, we are told in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, that we should divide up our portions. And then we're also told here that we are going to leave that inheritance for our children's children. Now, the most important legacy we leave our children is a spiritual legacy. But if God's blessed you financially, then I think it's a wise thing. I think it's a godly thing. Uh, to leave a little bit for your children for them to inherit. And then last, well, not really last, but last for this point, give generously, right? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Pastor J.D. Greer says, if you're not generous, you've never really experienced the gospel. If you feel guilty about how little generosity you show, you don't understand the gospel. You know, he goes on to explain his reasoning. Basically, the idea is this. It is impossible to really experience Jesus and not be radically generous. You see, when we look at the major component, when you're truly converted, is that you realize his kingdom, the kingdom of God, 
is the most beautiful and the most long-lasting reality in the universe. You begin to find your significance in the kingdom of God, not in your possessions. You begin to spend a lot of understanding and a lot of time adding beauty to the kingdom of God. Second, you recognize that Jesus, not money, is your security. So you don't have to worry about having extravagance of money to feel secure. Your security comes in Christ. You can be like Job, who said, Naked came I into this world, naked will I leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Your security is not based upon your bottom line. Uh, Your security is based on Christ. There's something else that you can experience. When you're truly saved, it means that you have an understanding of the graciousness of God and just how gracious God has been to you. You see, the Bible over and over and over again reminds us that God's grace is sufficient. Repeatedly tells us that you can taste and see God's grace. And because you have tasted and experienced God's grace, you can't help but to be gracious. You see, grace is one of those things, the more it is given away, the more it multiplies. When you have tasted the gospel, you will indeed be gracious. You don't have to work it up. It's just going to be part of who you are. You will instinctively become gracious because you are a recipient of God's grace. As a matter of fact, that's one of the ways I know that I'm gracious and received God's grace because I've given that grace to others. In Proverbs 28, it says that God gives to the poor and they will never want. The one who gives to the poor will never want. But he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. And then a little bit later, that same proverb adds, he who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. You see, God blesses us as we are generous. As we are giving back, God blesses us. As we look at some really good advice, according to the Gospel of Mark, do you remember that rich man came to to Jesus? And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He had three things going for him. He was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. I mean, you think about it, what else do you want in life, right? We idolize youth, uh, we idolize wealth, and we idolize power. Those are the three things that this rich, young ruler had. It seemed like he had everything. But in spite of having all that, he felt like something was missing. So he went to the Lord and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus responded, you got to keep the commands. The man responded, well, you know, I've done pretty good at that. As a matter of fact, I've been keeping God's commands since I was a kid. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you lack. There's one thing that's holding you back. There's one thing that is keeping you from everlasting life. It's your unbelief in me. Jesus says, you're trusting your wealth, you're trusting your possessions, you're trusting your power. Go and sell everything that you have, give all your possessions to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. This advice that Jesus offers this rich young man in the book of Mark is just something that was too much 
for him to handle. Now, I wish we kind of knew whatever happened to that rich young ruler, but uh, the Bible kind of just leaves us hanging there. You know, when you think about understanding the significance of living biblical principles when it comes to finances, when we give to the poor, when we don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing, when our giving is secret, your father sees what's done in secret, and he will reward you. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 3. You see, I had to learn this lesson of giving and learn this lesson of giving generously because by nature, I am a tightwad. I come from a family of tightwads, you know, Irish tightwads. As a matter of fact, I used to always kid around and say, my dad was so cheap that he would squeak when he walked, right? And so I had to learn generosity. And as I got into God's word, I learned to be more of a generous person. As a matter of fact, my dad, when we were growing up, I remember one time we were doing a building project and we were tearing something apart and he made me go and pull out all the old nails that were used in this project and straighten them out. And then the lumber that was still good, I had to cut sections off of the bad sections and keep the good sections of lumber because he wanted to reuse it. Now, now in my dad's defense, uh, he was alive during the Great Depression, and he never had a whole lot. His family never had a whole lot. But he understood the value of, of stretching a dollar. As a matter of fact, he used to I always get around. He could take a buffalo nickel and, uh, and squeeze it so tight it would cry pennies. He was a frugal individual. Again, in his defense, he grew up at a time they didn't have a whole lot, okay? But when we think about generosity, the Bible says, the generous soul shall prosper. You know, think about that. We have this responsibility to be giving on to the next generation. I believe we all have the responsibility to take care of each other to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what Jesus commands us to do. And this is why uh, being connected with a a household of faith, a church, is so important. You know, the Bible says we we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. You know, I've been at the same church for 26 years. And throughout these 26 years, there have been times in our church history Uh, where we've had a brother or sister, uh, a member of our congregation, who was really going through a hard time financially. And our church has stepped in and we said, okay, we have a brother or sister in need. Uh, We're going to help this individual. And when we look at it, you know, it's a help out. It's not a handout. It's not an ongoing thing. Uh, Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we're jammed up financially and we just need some help to get through that rough spot. So when we think about that, we are given the opportunity to bless somebody. But it's really exciting to see how God blesses us as we bless others. You know, the Bible is abundantly clear on this subject of how we should be a blessing to others. And give, and it shall be given unto you. The Bible is so abundantly clear on that subject. So I want to encourage you today. As we are on our Friday broadcast, you're driving home, and as you're looking at at where the Lord has brought you and how He has prospered you, are you generous with the blessings that God has given to you? You think about freedom, okay? 
We are right here near July 4th, and we're celebrating the birth of our nation. We're celebrating Independence Day. You know, the Bible talks about freedom. In 1 Peter 2.16, we are told to live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as God's servant. I want to encourage you to have financial freedom. And you have that financial freedom by not using your resources to fund or cover up evil, but to use your resources to provide for your family, to give to your church, to set some money aside so that when you get to the point of retirement, you have resources set aside and and that you can be a blessing to the next generation. But we're to live as people who are free, not slaves to money, not lovers of money, but realizing that money is a tool. It is a tool that God uses to reveal the depths of our hearts. Now, when you think about your heart, your heart is, is oftentimes deceitful. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Sometimes we don't even know our own heart. That's why we look at this matter of giving generously. It is a revealer of our heart. It keeps our heart in check. It allows us to hold on to money loosely, not worshiping it, not loving it, but using it as a tool, a tool to bless people, a tool to to encourage people. And as we look at this matter of generosity, the generous soul, it shall prosper. So today, as you look at your life, as we look at this end of this week, you know, the early church, the early church faced a lot of persecution as it was being raised and and being persecuted through the Roman Empire. One of the reasons that the church and Christianity was able to spread so much is because they looked out for one another. They cared for one another. As a matter of fact, as I look at the early church, and I'm not subscribing that we should do this, I'm not suggesting that we should do this, but they had something in common. It says in the books of Acts that they had everything in common. In other words, they shared everything. They had more of a a communal lifestyle. Now, again, I'm not subscribing to this. I think that was necessary for the early church because when they were saved, oftentimes uh, they would be kicked out of their homes and oftentimes they would be homeless. And so God provided for them with the support of the body of Christ. But if we can just grab onto a glimpse of that, realizing that God wants us to use our resources to spread the gospel throughout the globe. You know, I think about our missionaries that we support, and we send out missionaries all over the country. And every week, we give over $1,000 a week to our, our missions uh, endeavors. About $1,200, $1,300 a week is going out to support missionaries throughout the world. The reason we do that is because we believe that God has given us a great command and given us a great commission. The great command is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, you to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then you need to love your neighbor as you to love yourself. But then there's a great commission. The great commission is that we go. Now, I can't be in every country on the globe, but I can send missionaries. And I can send them resources so that they can share the gospel wherever they go. Why don't you let your giving 
be a sermon in shoes. I want us to allow your generosity to allow the gospel to be spread through your neighborhood, through your community, through our country, and throughout the nation. Well, thank you so much for, for being with me today. Lord, as we begin another weekend, as we have the opportunity for rest and refreshment and relaxation, as we have another opportunity to worship you on Sunday, Lord, I pray that we will also be generous in sharing our resources, generous in giving, reminding us, Lord, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, realizing that as we seek first your kingdom and your agenda, all these other things that we worry about will be added unto us. Lord, we praise you today. I pray for travel mercies to those who are on the highway right now. Keep them safe till they get to their destiny. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, my friend, if I can pray for you, uh, shoot me a text, okay? 252-267-2365. I would love to hear from you. That number, 252-267-2365. If you'd like to worship with us this weekend, 9 o'clock or 1045, Hickory Ridge Community Church in the southern Chesapeake area, the Hickory section of Chesapeake, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South. God bless you for joining me today. I look forward to talking with you on Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.